0: Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. I am here. Nate is not. He wounded himself badly enough while pressure washing his fence to require surgery and he got called in for some consultation today so I am solo with two friends of the podcast who have both been on one of them a number of times Dave Bunker Tom Jackson welcome gentlemen you are the co-host today
2: welcome to myself (laughs) nice to be here
0: <laughs> we're we're the founding fathers.
2: <laughs> you,
1: that that's true. So I mean, give give a little of that backstory. And uh, Tom, I'm trying to think if we how much we talked about that last time you were on the show. But give some of your backstory
0: there. Yeah, you know, I honestly I don't remember. I, all I know is that we all went to church together at Christ Community Church. Uh, ended up in um, Doctor Grant's George Grant's Sunday School. And, uh, that's kind of, now. Dave and I known each other long before that, but that's where we met Nate and on given Sundays when George couldn't be there and Nate couldn't be there, I think Dave, you you taught a time or two and I taught a time or two and, and we started wrestling with this, uh, this whole thing. Gosh, how many years ago, Dave? I don't remember. I really don't. 15 or so. Yeah, it's been a while. So you,
1: uh, we've Nate and I talked about how there's a lot of people just who naturally tend towards isolation who are finding themselves in some pretty significant isolation. So we just wanted to have some hangout times for the sake of our, our friends, our fellow pirates, and uh, just have some interesting conversations and even give some interesting homework that folks might want to do. So, If you're listening to this, have a piece of paper and pen handy, not a pencil. Screw pencils. No pencils. Only pens. And uh, do a crossword with that pen afterwards. uh, Because they say Confucius did his crosswords with a pen. Shout out to Tori Amos. Uh, Because there's going to be some interesting ideas. We're talking about music. Music has been an important part of both of your guys' lives and we're going to talk about the albums, the songs that shaped us, how they shaped us, and possibly what's still shaping us today. So we're going to have some interesting musical explorations. So I just want to kick it off by asking both of you when music became important to you and what was the music that you were listening to that was important. When was your first recollection of, man, this is this is moving me. This is affecting me. You go first, Dave.
2: Well, I grew up as a preacher's kid. Uh, I was adopted. I had an older sister. And, you know, so we grew up in a singing church. There's It was more Bill Gaither than Southern Gospel, but there was some Southern Gospel, too. So I grew up, and I have to laugh when you hear that, you know, Dad is saying bass, brother's saying tenor, you know, and all that. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I know from an early age I can pick out... That's why I could sing Crossy Tills and Nash, because I could pick out all four or five parts. But um, you know, church music, quite frankly, was was not all that attractive to me, even as a junior high kid. And the first time I heard uh, Ray Charles, my sister had bought a Ray Charles 45, and she had been playing it in her bedroom. And I remember walking by a bedroom one day hearing Ray Charles, and that was probably my first experience with what I would consider uh, the unabashed primal nature of how African Americans, especially approached pop music. I mean, if they were in love, they were really in love. If they were in lust, they were really in lust. If if they were happy, they were really happy. And compared to the, you know, the itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini songs that people had to endure in the sixties and seventies, the Ray Charles stuff was like, (laughs) Uh, my introduction, if you will, to, to R&B, singer-songwriter, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my first recollection.
0: How about you, Tom? I think mine is, well, I mean, I remember Neil Sedaka and all that when, when I was really young and it'd be played and that kind of thing. But really where it started meaning something to me, where it started moving me was two groups. One was uh, the Beach Boys. I remember playing In My Room, oh, like a hundred times over and over on my 45. Uh, and then the Beatles.
1: Um, okay, you know, wait, wait, I want to pause you with In Your Room. How old were you while well, you're listening to this song, probably In Your Room?
0: Well, one year? Probably 12.
1: And so what was it about that song? Cause, I mean, that's well, I've always thought that was a
0: weird song. Well, I mean, it's a great song. Just, I mean, to me, I just love the feel of it. I don't know. I always, in fact, if we get into this more, I've always gone for the more moody stuff or, um, I don't know what the word is. Less pop. Um, mm-hmm. though, I mean, I love their other, their other stuff too. You know, I lived in San Diego, so it was about the beach and the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Beatles came along because my sister and my brother, and, and they never stopped playing the Beatles. Never, never. In fact, so much that I hit their records in the windowsill, uh, unbeknownst to me that the sun would warp them. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so they were real happy with that. I, I, I destroyed like three or four of the Beatles records. <laughs> now, uh, which era of Beatles was this that they well, were driving you insane with? Well, at the very beginning, it was, uh want to hold your hand, all that stuff. Then yeah. then when Sergeant Peppers came out, that, that was another shift. I, I imagine maybe even for you, Dave, because it was, it was extraordinary. It was unique. So when that came out, uh, <laughs> I remember my parents were going away on a, um, my parents used to square dance. So they'd go out, away for two or three days on a square dance, camp out thing or something. And the three of us, me and my brother and my sister left home. And I remember my brother coming to me saying, now, mom and dad are gone. And we're going to have some pot in the backyard. And I'm thinking, in my head, I'm a kid, 14. I don't know how old I was. A cauldron. <laughs> <The smell. laughs> what I kind of pot it? is it? <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. And and with the crappiest speakers, because that was in time when you had those fold up record players, uh-huh. and the two, and the two speakers that that attached to the side. Well, we put them up all over the house and had a big party, and we spent the whole night listening to Sgt. Peppers. But those two definitely started tweaking my my heart.
1: It's it's funny because I I grew up in a in a Brethren church, and. So what was played in our house was Johnny Erickson, Evie, Twyla Paris, Maranatha Praise music, along with 50s music like Snoopy versus the Red Baron, and then my dad was utterly in love with Elvis. He likes to say that he named me after Aaron from the Bible, but we all know that Elvis' middle name Little was man, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. Let's let's be honest about this. So he and I have debated that for years. Um, So it wasn't it wasn't f- until I was maybe in the fifth or sixth grade that I even came out of pretty much straight up church music. But I, I love that. I mean, I remember all the, I don't know if you guys remember the old Johnny Erickson uh, album she made. No, very heart, very heartfelt stuff. What year and was it? So, man, er- early
2: eighties. Sorry oh, guys.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Grandpa, what do you think? Grandpa
2: Bunker? I, in I anyway I was probably listening to hardcore singer songwriter alternative you know I don't know everybody probably from the the Cure to Supertramp but I wasn't listening to Johnny Erickson <laughs> See
1: and but the the weird thing was when CDs came out I had a drummer in a band who decided to get rid of a bunch of CDs and I only had I only had Depeche Mode 101. That was the one CD that I bought, their live album uh, from the Hollywood Bowl. And he got rid of a stack of CDs, said, do you want them? And it was Sgt. Pepper's and every Peter Gabriel album from the 70s to the mid 80s. And so that was all I listened to until I could afford to get more CDs later. So I'm, I'm tracking with you guys. And in fact, Dave, when you sent in a list of songs, I was so stoked that you put on the Peter Gabriel song from that newer album with the orchestra. Uh Um, Because just listening to that guy, to me, he is still one of the top three voices that speaks to my heart as far as just sound. Um, But Sgt. Pepper's was huge for me. And it was just listening to it over and over Uh, i'll throw this out to you old guys what has been lost with people being able to just go song by song instead of listening to
2: an entire album dave well i think artist development is is because now it's kind of the return to the 50s where you know everything is so down to a single which Mm. single is important but you know if you're really into a band you want to go and and have this experience. And that's what the album experiences were back in the seventies and eighties and, and even through the nineties. So I think what's missing is, um, um, uh, a work that has, uh, a deeper and a wider, uh, swash of meaning than just one song, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that, but, uh, really good writers like take, for instance, today, a guy like Jason Isbell, good writers their albums have they cohere they're reflective of of more than just what's popular and and there's everybody has to have a certain degree of pay attention to some of that but i think that's what's lost is a a deeper understanding of of the artist that you are because i mean peter gabriel there's nobody like peter gabriel mm-hmm. and, and um there they're you know when i was you look back in the 70s and 80s, especially, but even in the 60s, with when early rock began. I mean, think about it the Grateful Dead, The Who, The Beatles, Genesis, on and on. None of those bands sounded alike, they were all very different. And um, so, now, in defense of today, that era was just
0: making it up for the first time, so no one had heard it. So when you heard Hendrix or Santana or Dylan or, or like you you're saying the Who, Zeppelin, gone on and on and on and on, they all were different. You're right, but it's all been done sort of now. So to me, I like I like a lot of the hybrid uh, groups that combine different. Uh, I don't know, you know, have a little flavor of everything. Uh, at, at, you know, to listen to some, some of the time. Now
1: now tell me from your perspective though, Tom, you work with artists on creating a set list that has an emotional arc
2: yeah.
1: and, and work with them on their performance aspect of, of their art. And in a way that is the album experience. Exactly. Right. right. So, so what does a complete set of music versus I'm just going to skip through, what does that mean to you, knowing that you value that, you see value in that?
0: See, the beautiful part about uh, like an old record or something, and, or in the, old, in the old days, but we used to sit around literally and just listen to the records. <laughs> and you would go through, it was, like, it was like a movie. It's not a movie watching, but in the sense of it would take you to different places. Nowadays, because of the singles, you don't get to go a lot of different places on radio. Now, in defense of that, where do you listen to the radio in most cases? You listen to it um, right, on, Spotify, uh, on the radio. Sure. But now even with, with uh, Pandora and uh, you know Alexa, i say, Alexa, play me something. And, and it doesn't really play usually the deep cuts. It usually pay, plays the, the popular songs. Uh, and that's not entirely true, but... You know, you jump from song to song to song, but there was a method to the madness of putting a record together or putting a show together. The beautiful part about what I do is that people come for that experience, and that's what kind of blows people, my, people's minds. Is that those people that just listen to the hits only, and then they get to experience something that goes this way and goes that way, uh, you know, lyrically or musically or visually. Um, that's, it's, it's a new experience for a lot of of people these days. That's why they're so popular because, because a a good artist, I was just watching Pink last night and she just goes so many different places and, uh, you know, rather than just one song that was a hit of hers. So, so here's
1: what I think I want to recommend in this, uh, COVID-19, uh, experiment. When I think of even my daughter, she loves to go on drives with me and just show me songs. Um, I would have never listened to, uh, who's that redhead British guy? Ed. Ed, right. Ed yep. Sheeran. Ed. I never would have listened to it if I didn't hang out with my 14 year old daughter. But there's kind of this frantic aspect of she's looking up the next song before this song's even done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I want to recommend is, hey, let's take some time to sit in one spot and just absorb something. And it's one of the things I love about Spotify is I can click on an album. I can listen to Midnight Oil, Diesel, and Dust start to finish and go, yep, I remember how this felt to be in my room, loving this album. Uh, and that causes us to to settle ourselves a little bit. There's meditation in that. And we can sit outside and absorb, you know, looking at what's around us while listening to this, this other experience and having the emotions of it. So I, I think that's what I want to recommend in this and that I want to get some suggestions for. And I I miss those days when I didn't have that many options. I remember specifically. Oh my gosh, should, should I humiliate myself further here? I I feel like you guys are gonna come up with so much cooler answers to
0: everything. There, All right, there, I don't think coolness is. We did this on the other night. Remember on the online when I asked what everyone was listening to, and you were like, right. uh, "I'm not a hipster." And I'm like, "The last thing I am is a hipster."
1: Well, okay, so I remember buying Carmen's Champion cassette.
0: Oh, look at the time.
1: (laughs) And I brought that home from the Bible bookstore. I had stolen my sister's yellow Sony Walkman, which, of course, we all know. It was the only Walkman of the 80s with the little rubber buttons. And I listened to that over and over. But then I decided, obviously, my favorite song was The Champion. But my dad had convinced me that if you fast forward or rewind, it takes extra batteries. So don't ever fast forward or rewind, which meant I had to listen to the first two songs from side A so that it would be at the right spot to listen to the last song on side B. Well, the first song was Prepare to Die. This is how seared into my head this is. This is, what, 30 years ago. Uh, The second song on that album is maybe the worst Carmen song ever. And that's saying something, because there are some pretty awful Carmen songs.
0: Hey, I worked with them.
1: And so you know firsthand there are some pretty awful Carmen songs. (laughs)
0: Hey, I worked with (laughs) them.
1: But I, I just remember those mornings. I remember when I got the Mortal album, Lucis, and I just laid there in bed. It was always just laying there with my eyes closed, listening over and over And letting it really soak in. So I want to go through, what are the albums? Uh, You've already said a few songs and you gave a little of the albums, but what are some albums first from your childhood, maybe three or four, that you you feel like, okay, listeners, if you want to get into my head and my world, these were transformative or formative albums
0: for my soul. Well Who's I, going? let me just say this qualifying here. I don't remember my childhood much at all to be honest with you. But I do remember when I started listening to music, it really was mostly high school, the beginning of high school, the doors, you know, the moody blues. All
1: I, right, which I, which which albums do you think people need to get into? Or do oh you have gosh. you moved past it?
0: Oh my gosh.
1: You don't ever move past your high school favorites.
0: No. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Santana's first record. Um, God. So I would call hate. it A Beautiful Day I loved. I mean, Dave and I, are, if there's one thing that Dave and I, we might be at the top ten of people on the planet that have seen everything. Dave actually one-ups me because he's gone to Woodstock. But I probably saw, and those were the days when, God, music was everywhere and and it was it was it was everything.
2: I don't know. Well, you could go to a Led Zeppelin concert for fifteen bucks, eight bucks. Yeah, yeah. But if we're talking about albums in in in, in childhood, I mean, or back that way, I mean, um, Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. I probably listened to that. What if I was listening? Because <laughs> um, I was I would been in college then, but a freshman. Um, you know, but on the R&B side, songs in the key of life, Stevie Wonder. Um, All right, so tell
1: me, don't don't zip past them, because I want you to sell me on these. What 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 did they mean to you? What could they mean to me? You've just ah. named a couple. Give it to me. Sell me on it, Dave Bunker.
2: Well, you know, like a a dark side of the moon um, album. It's it's. It's very, uh, emotional. They were British, uh, very moody. Um, their lyrics were very existential and, and they would, um, you know, this came out in probably 73 or so. And, um, you know, I, I, I just remember it was one of those, when you, you talked about Tom listening to the whole album, I remember, you know, um, you know, sitting down and and listening to, to, you know, money. In fact, it's funny, you know, money, such a crap. We did that when I became a Christian in my late 20s and started a band. I remember playing money because it's a critique on money and having uh, Christian people storm the stage and want to kick us out of the church. But at any rate, (laughs) brain damage, any color you like you know, the great gig in the sky, on the run, breathe, speak to me. I mean Gilmore um uh, and those guys were excellent, excellent writers. And they created a mood that was just so distinctly um you know, that band. There there was no no wondering like, now who is this? You know, you yeah, knew yeah.
0: Floyd. the guitar too. Great tone. Yeah, I mean, you're,
1: that 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 is not to take away from the lyrical part that you're talking about, but that is some atmospheric mood music. It's 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 built, it's created to create an emotion as much as convey a message.
2: Yeah, and I had followed them when they before that when they had Sid Barrett, the guy that kind of went with founding member that went wacky. You know, just highlights of that. This album that was made at uh, Abbey Road, the same place that. Beatles did a lot of their stuff, so um, and I saw I saw all right. all them once, and it was powerful. Oh.
0: All right, so I we've got they really did their uh, surround one of the first group ever to do the surround sound thing, quadraphonic thing, whatever.
1: Oh, that's yeah. right. There were special car stereo systems for that action, right?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and you probably had to put the record somewhere in the car. I don't know. i'm gonna i'm gonna make fun of you guys the four tracks are gonna come up or eight tracks are gonna come up some somewhere in this i
2: never owned an eight track
1: (laughs) i didn't well Well, do
2: yeah (laughs) i'm gonna keep my elitist position and you know i'm gonna gonna do
1: it hey you got me beat on that dave we had an old pontiac station wagon that had one and my mom ran a thrift store so uh, I would grab a bunch of eight tracks from the thrift store and I could never figure out how to, how to use it. I could only figure out how to get like two songs to work.
0: Uh, I'll say this. I I listen to music still to this day, most uh, for the mood, depending on the mood I'm in. In that day, what speaking of eight tracks, you know, I I, I was just, I was just a stupid Southern California slash hippie kind of music guy playing the band when wasn't very good. Um, But, I mean, I would wear out Creedence Clearwater Revival going to the beach and back because it was just up, fun. And when I mean wear out, I mean just uh, that is is one of my strengths and that is one of my weaknesses. Like Dave has much broader taste than I do. Uh, A lot of people do. But so when I found something, I wore it out. Credence was one of them, and there was and Credence was a daytime thing. You don't play Credence at night. You play Zeppelin. You play. (laughs) You play. um, uh, I was really into the Moody Blues, and I had a really interesting childhood. uh, Troubled parents fought a lot. So and I had this van, and I would drive around this little town in, in Southern California. And I'm not kidding. I would spend four hours driving because that gas was 24 cents a gallon. Then
1: what, what little uh, town was this that you were driving around?
0: Called El Cone, California, right outside oh, okay. San Diego. Yeah. And, um, and I would three, four hours just drive around and round and round and round the, the town. It would take me about 40 minutes to get through the, whole maybe 30 minutes to get through the whole town. You know, I take different routes, kind of look for girls once in a while, but, uh, you know, and I just listen to Moody Blues over and over and over again. I weep because it was tough at my house. But then when I go to the beach with friends, we'd listen to Credence. And then uh, when we party, we'd listen to Zeppelin or uh, you know wh- whatever. But my my strength is my weakness, and, and that's why I do what I do is I I listen to something and it's and I when I love it, I love it. And I go back to. It. I still think the best rock song of all time, and pe- some people are going to laugh here, but it is "Is Stairway to Heaven," and it's overplayed, but it is it is brilliant, and it was brilliant then. It's still brilliant now. I don't get t- well. I get tired of it. I don't listen to it all the time. But I'll go outside on my dock here in Florida, put on the headphones, and pop in um, Led Zeppelin IV. And just look at the stars trip, and uh, to this day, and that record was made. What year was that, Dave? I don't know. Seventy.
2: Yeah, probably seventy seventy three.
0: Yeah,
1: something. That was seventeen seventy one, right?
0: Hey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, if if it's if it's any encouragement to you, Tom, that song became such a meme. And the whole, you know, going to Guitar Center and the sign, no playing, Stairway to Heaven, sure. that I almost think there's a new generation that really
0: hasn't heard that song. So it can come back around now. Well, it's the most played song of all time, I'm told. Cool. And I, I understand why. But the point is, I, I, for me, I would use music to, uh, depending on my mood. And and here's where my weakness is. I, I'm not sure the weakness is the right word here, and I'm jumping around because my 80s kicked in. But I mean, like Dave. Dave's smart guy, big singer-songwriter guy. There's a lot of people that like like John Prime that's died. Brilliant writer, ridiculous. Um, I don't like. I never wanted to go to that mood of being vulnerable. This is the Samson moment now. I didn't. I didn't want to have to think about those things because I was already there's enough pain in my life as it is. <laughs> with my with my parents fighting and divorcing and the stuff going on, so why do I want to go revisit it in a song? So I'd rather go to my favorite band after the Moody Blues was the it still it still is to this day. Yes, and I have no freaking idea in the world what John Anderson's talking about lyrically. Getting over overhanging trees, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, dude. Whatever, I like it. Um, <laughs> Rock on, brother. But I didn't have to go to that vulnerable place. I went to that space place.
1: Okay, so so you're touching on the. Uh, uh, all right, let me let me step away for one second.
0: Sorry, to I'm say, dominating here.
1: No, no, no. That's that's it's huge. So I I want to introduce a thought and then comment on that. One is that music is one of these. Uh, one of these ontological evidences for mystical God truth. And what I mean by that is it transcends time and culture. If I went to the middle of Africa in 1325 to a tribe of people, a village of people, and I took the soundtrack from the movie, the grudge. And I took the soundtrack from the movie, Rudy, And I played them both. These are with instruments that these people would have never heard. They're in scales that they've never experienced. It has nothing to do with anything they've ever experienced. But if I played the the music from the movie grudge, that entire village would think there is something evil happening. And if I played that amazing Jerry Goldsmith music from the movie Rudy, they'd get totally pumped up and get ready to like sack the next village or something. Isn't it incredible that God has put into this, the tonality and the harmonies of sound waves, the capability of connecting with our emotions that has nothing to do with time or culture. It's built into us. It's built into the image of God in us. And sometimes music is an escape and sometimes it's a door to introspection. It's it's both of those, and and that's not right or wrong. And you're talking about music as an escape. And David, I think when you talk about a lot of the music that's touched you, the introspection and that journey has been important for you.
2: Well, I, I do believe that what you said about music having this mystical quality to it in fact, you know, you guys know that I'm a poet. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a poem here, and so if people who are anti-poem, bear with me. will be, but it has to do with the the issue of. I'm becoming more aware that words ref, well words. If you, a lot of the guys that are in in Samson have had trauma in their early years, and some of the trauma that they've had, that I've had, for example. I mean, I was adopted, and 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 I had an older sister who was bipolar. So the first ten years of my life, it was it was like it was like a Fellini movie on acid. I mean, it was just whack, <laughs> you know. And and so when I came back to Christ in my late twenties, I really didn't trust a lot of Christian people based on. The PTSD that was in my body that I had to work out, and of course that's why a lot of the acting out and the goofy stuff that I would do, and I didn't even understand why. It was like, what? What is this? Where is this story? And and it's interesting how it's taken me this long to start to get naming for it. But I believe that that music is a music is a can be a reckoning. It can it can reveal to us things about. There are things about ourselves that are going a, a, a emotional because to sing in some ways means to be a more like a child it's 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 there's something about music that takes me back and when I'm not singing there's a part of me and i and i realize it's not writing does one thing but singing does something else and being sequestered these last month or so you know i've been i have a whole set of i almost have a concert now of stuff that i've written but stuff that other people have written i mean i've fallen in love with Mark Knopfler all over again. Just amazing, amazing songwriter. But here's the poem, and it's, it's called when, My, when the Soul's Deepest Recollection Must Be Sung. I get that. When the soul's deepest recollection must be sung. There's a story I've been literally dying to tell, a chapter missing in the book of life. It's more than a memory. It's more than the truth. These are the words that announce meaning itself. For they were meant to declare the space called my presence. But this is a drama hidden much deeper than recollection. Its telling is costly. It is a daring that feels almost careless, never meant to be uttered casually or merely at will, as it is, as it is all that has shaped me, coming out from underneath a lifetime of deep and prolonged disconnection. Given my love affair with words, I'd never imagined that sacred utterance could only be sung. For lately, my tears and my singing have married the moments that carry this revealing, as the presence awaiting entrance seems to come only when my words turn to song. And as I am lost in the musical grieving, the weeping turns back into presence. But now, the buried and the secret are singing with every ounce of my being, a refrain that slips through the filter and fog, piercing the apparent barricade that has been vigilant, holding these questions at bay for so long. And here are the questions Am I more than what I fear? Is it safe for me to sing unfettered? And when I give permission for my truest voice to sing, it's as if I just arrived at this moment. I hear the sound of a voice singing with such deep feeling, and for the first time, I recognize it as my own. Hmm. So, yeah, music. <laughs> That's... Music is is God's gift to Tom and I. I know it's a it's it's a healing gift that we've been given. Otherwise, I would be either in jail or in an insane, an insane asylum. I'm one
0: hundred percent with you. There, I, I, in fact. Um, I mean, I don't even know what I'd do without music. I really don't. Obviously, as a as a career, <laughs> but but it is it, it, so. But the irony is for me, Dave, and and I think you know this about me, is um, it's the music. It's uh, there's something about tones. There's something about arrangements. There's something about the instrumentation of a of a a violin solo in this wide open range or in the middle of close to the edge where Wakeman goes off on his B3 organ. I mean, it, it brings me to tears without one word being spoken. Mm -hmm. There, there are so many times, and that's the music I listen to more than not. Doesn't mean I don't listen to anything else. And I love the combination of somebody like Sting, like the, my favorite album is soul cages okay you want recommendations soul cages folks soul cages ridiculous a genius yet he, he he the music the musician if you want to pay attention to the music the musicians are brilliant you want to pay attention to the writing the writing's brilliant you want to pay attention to the story awesome stories it's it's he says you would say the whole packy uh stevie wonder was the same a uh, little caveat please understand about how I'm not bragging, but when I was playing with Rick, uh, you know, Rick Elias and in that band, when we were playing together, we actually were invited in to see Stevie record some of um, songs in the key of life. Wow. And that was, that was pretty trippy. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's what music is to me. And, and, and like here, we're at this house, I got a house down here in Florida and it's, it's not extraordinary but it's just nice, nice little feel. And uh, we'll open the doors to the patio and play when we want to be lifted. We'll, we're listening to a lot of um, reggae. Bob Marley. Play, Alexa, play Bob Marley on on Pandora or or something. And Man, it, when
1: there's when there's a mood for reggae, nothing else it. is going to do. Mm-hmm.
0: That's it. That's it. And then then we might move over to uh, Caribbean steel drums, and then we might move over to. Uh, and I can imagine in my heart, and I've imagined a hundred times listening to Pat Metheny and and, me and and Pat Metheny playing in front of the throne of God as worship music without a word being said. And, and I've, I've imagined it a hundred times. I've done it a hundred times. So, to me, for me, it's the music and then the, and the tonality and the emotion behind the music, not, uh, and then the voice and then the lyrics. Now, for other people, it's, a, it, it's different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, that's, totally true. that's it.
1: So, let me, let me throw this out based on that poem you wrote and those statements, Tommy, just made. I'm a pretty even guy. I like control. And so that's why I love and hate the book of Philippians. Cause it just doesn't talk about having joy, which I'm, I'm pretty stoked a lot of the time, but it commands me to rejoice, to have some damn expression of the joy. I hate that. I'm horrible at that. Mm -hmm. I would make a horrible charismatic person. I uh, even lifting my hands is going to make me feel like, ah, oh, come on, I can't. It's they're too heavy. I also, on the flip side, have a lot of trouble expressing grief. I'm just going to get over it, I'm going to push past it. Music ends up being the liturgy of my emotions, it gives me the words and the emotional guts to cry about something. I remember being in a really dark time and hearing, uh, yeah, what was the band that did? Oh, Switchfoot, The Shadow Proves the Sunshine. I drove for hours through the mountains of San Luis, listening to that over and over and just crying that I was in such a shadow time, but that's okay. The Shadow Proves the Sunshine. I needed a liturgy for my emotions to be able to be expressed and music is such a gift of God to be a vehicle for that.
2: You know, it's, it's interesting. I I wasn't exactly sure what you were asking. So I put down more albums. I think of what I'm listening to now, but I don't know if you guys are familiar with James Blunt. He's got an album out called monsters, but he has a song. Um, well, the album is called once upon a mind and the song is called monsters. And it's a song that he sings to his dying father who is sitting next to him.
1: You're an, you're an asshole for sending that, by the way. That wrecks me. That was the first song on your list. I clicked on it. Oh, my gosh. Go on, David. But I just wanted to throw in, you're an asshole.
2: Well, good. Go on. I, I'm glad that I, I met. That was my purpose, is to flush out grief, whether you wanted to or not. That, that song could probably actually get Tom to be emotional. Uh, it's, <laughs> you got to watch this thing, Tom. It's this guy... It's like I'm not you're not my father, I'm not your son. We're just two men saying goodbye. And they're sitting together and James Blunt is crying and he's not fake crying. He's singing to his dad. He is not fake crying. And and I thought to myself, this is where music and theater, but it's not theater in the sense of a playing a part. And so for music, I will say, you know, the last couple of years here and I've spent more time alone than I did when I was out in I I look at I look at music as very much something that helps me um helps me deal with the aloneness of myself and the spiritual need I have Mark Knopfler is another one in the um he had that album which is put out in 2018 Down the Road Wherever he's got a song about a friendship um where he's just you know Hey, I'll buy you a drink, and he's such a storyteller. And then the old Yellow Moon album with uh, Rodney Crowell, Emmylou Harris, called "Back When We Were Beautiful," which is an older lady talking about her her husband passing away and how he used to dance, and, and the, but back when they were beautiful. And um, I, I I don't know how people kind of go through life without, in some ways, those emotional. Vignettes that you know, um, caps, you know, cap capture the emotion. The book of love that Peter Gabriel sang in the Shall We Dance soundtrack. I mean, that's not his song, but you know, it's that it's that he's such a stor- a cosmic storyteller. You know, it's like the book of love. I mean, just the way he talks and sings, you just feel like some gnome from a planet I've never been to, just checked out down on earth and is telling me, you know, <laughs> book of love is full of, of great Words stuff and crap, both. So, go ahead.
0: Well, no, I, I, you know, honestly, I'm just, I'm, I'm being narcissistic here a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Self-centered, which is normal. Um, you, you know, I can listen to Gabriel. I can listen to sting. I can listen to their stories. I can listen to, um, uh give me some, Joni Mitchell. I, I listen to those stories. I don't know why I can't go to, to the bear like I mean I, you know I just spent since John Prime just died. I just spent a lot of time listening to him. And I mean, what a ridiculous storyteller. simple, but but I and I liked it, but I don't like that space and I don't know why. I think it has something to do. I have no idea why. I, I don't tr- I don't know why. I don't trust. So the words that mean the most to me, and I'm not trying to be spiritual here, guys. You talk about, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm obsessive. I will read, I probably read Ephesians 500 times in my life. Um, just to, to beat that into my head that God is faithful, that we're called, that we're chosen, that he loves us, that, you know, all that stuff. But I, why I, so those words mean something to me. Um, not that John Prine doesn't, not that Dylan didn't, not that some of the other. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why that space. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe exploring those emotions. Where when I listen to just music with a Gabriel thing, like in 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 hit in hit your eyes. Now to me, that tears me up. I mean, I, I'll stand on my back porch with my hands raised at midnight, with the headphones on you know, just praising God in that, um, in that moment. But I, but I, I don't know. I'm doing some therapy here. I don't know why I can't go to that space very often because I don't like it. Uh, I, I don't feel safe. I feel naked. And when I felt naked in the past, I I, I felt like I've been betrayed or at least shunned.
1: Do you, um, okay. You're, you're doing your therapy. I've got a question with that do you feel like you're resisting where those moments are trying to take you or it's just feels like it's not even taking you anywhere?
0: No, it's taken me there. I just don't like it. Okay. Like sitting down to dinner. And, and that's part of the deal too. I listen to music so much. I, I, if I have my choice to eat hot dog or a great hamburger, I'm going to choose a hamburger nine times out of 10 because I really like the way hamburgers taste and whatever. So I'll go, I'll easily go to Gabriel or, or uh, you, you know, even Springsteen. Everyone says he's a brilliant writer, and I I, I get it, but I, I I don't like that space. Hmm. I I'm I'm talking about his um, uh, what's the album he, he did by himself? Um, oh, cannot remember the name. Where he just sat down and played his acoustic guitar. Oh, I don't know. Haven't heard that. Anyway, well. anyway, he, point he's anyway. He's not. Yeah. I don't want to go to that space. I don't feel comfortable in that space. I feel vulnerable in that space. Um, I wonder
1: I'm I'm glad you said it because I wonder how many other listeners feel that. I think Dave and I both uh I think Dave, you run to that space. I think I know I need that space, so I I want to go there. But I wonder how many other listeners feel exactly like you do, Tom. I don't know. I'm I'm know. glad you said it though. I appreciate it.
2: Well, I think uh, the album you're talking about, by the way, is Nebraska. Nebraska. But um, uh, I don't – I think that I – I get the thing about space. Like Bruce Springsteen doesn't – he creates a lyrical space that I can identify with, and I love his life. And if you read his story about why he has his values, and, and, I mean, he's a mentor in that area. But, you know, you like – what you like i know you what you you know like the yes the the prog rock meets eclectic weird stuff uh you know that's your personal favorites oh, now when you go to teach people through your business you know you tend to find out where they're at and build it within that construct because you know a lot of variety of music i will say being into artist development as my career i probably tend to view the journey as part of my vocation so you know, when I wrote down, for example, the different things that I'm into now this is familiar, but have you guys heard the new uh, Sarah Grove floodplain out came out in two thousand and fifteen or sixteen that uh, dente was on it uh, um I think Brown Bannister did some of the production it it is Sarah groves is a prophetess. she is articulate it's all get out. And that floodplain song is about how artists tend to live in that place where you never know if the rain's going you know, to sweep your house away. And uh, then she's got another tune called This Cup, which talks about, you know, life is hard. Do I have to drink this cup? And so if for me, and this is going to sound terrible, but for me, the church sometimes doesn't capsule, capture for me at least in sermons and books and and I the articles that I read online. I don't do a lot of reading online because so much of it acts as if this, they have all this certainty, and I'm like, really? My life yeah. is full of quandaries. I don't get I got an answer. I mean, that's why Carmen for me, I'm just like, dude, I've met you. you know, like, let's go have like a glass of wine or something. But like, what's up with the whatever? But um.
0: You know, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. It's terrible. And I, I worked with him on his
2: biggest tour. It it I thought it was great kid children's music. Well, yeah. Well, it was more it was more, you know, kind of like Las Vegas meets, you know. <laughs> All right, stop picking up garbage. Right, no, Get no, to your bad, point.
0: <laughs>
2: but the music, the music, you're talking about how it's like it's a soundtrack. I somebody used that word. I'll tell you some. A lot of the new ambient music, and this is where Spotify and YouTube. If there's anything, it's both demonic and of God equally is how the, um, uh, the algorithms tell you what you like <laughs> because on one hand you go, Oh, I like that. And on the other hand, it's like, Oh crap. I like that. I've seen, Oh, I didn't know I did. And, <laughs> uh, but the, remember Mark bird that wrote a lot of the worship stuff. He's got a band called the summer kills. That's, that is really amazing. Very, very ambient. And, uh, Movie soundtracks. I find myself listening to, you know, the um, what's the curious case of Benjamin Button by Alexander Des Platt. Mm-hmm. I mean, Love that soundtrack. So much of that, and this is where I would say to Tom, man, it's it's not words. It's mostly small bits oh, yeah. of music.
0: I, I actually, you're right about um, I, Isabella, my daughter. Dave knows her. She, she bought us a, a, a Alexa thing. You know, I'm so high tech. But I love talking to Alexa, and we'll just say, Alexa, play me dinner music, and something will come up. Some of it's not good, but you discover new music. Yeah, we will sit around and listen. We'll listen to ambient music just to to set a mood and and take you somewhere. Great talking stuff, great stuff to read. I love reading with ambient music. can't can't use words and read at the same time. By the way, I know we're suggesting um, music here.
1: Yeah, I think we're way beyond any of my suggestions, so just
0: roll with it, Tom. My favorite, I just read a book, uh, my favorite book of all time, and and other, of course I'm a Christian, other than the Bible. Um, (laughs) it's, It's my favorite so much that I can't remember the title at the moment, but it's about Michelangelo. What was it called? The Agony and the Ecstasy. Has anyone read that? No. Oh my gosh. The guy's a brilliant writer, brilliant writer, and... It's, and his Michelangelo story is unbelievable. Anyways, pick that up, folks. The Agony and the Ecstasy. It's an amazing book. Man,
1: we're doing book recommendations too. You yeah. guys listening to this and ladies are getting getting double. Both of you talking has made me think something, that we are wired so differently as humans. Yeah. And some of us need those words. I mean, when we talk about formative albums, Steve Camp's album, Justice, was huge for me when I was young. And I know both of you know Steve. He and I had a relationship for a number of years. And it's always weird to know the people, whether it's Carmen or Steve, behind these things. Um, But that album, long before I knew him, because I, I was, I had a violent, Inclination towards things. And I don't mean like that in the most negative way. I needed to attack things in my heart. And that album was Don't Tell Them Jesus Loves Them Till You're Ready to Love Them Too. They're just like these bricks of statements. Do you feel their pain as it touched your life? Can you taste the salt and the tears they cry? And it would just like fill me with conviction and desire to press into the world in hard ways. But that is so me. Like I've tried to get other people to listen to that album and experience what I did as a young man. And it's worked, I believe zero times. (laughs) So I think that God has designed us so uniquely that there are just these beautiful ways that for some people, listening to a soundtrack of something with no words allows their mind the space to go where it needs to go. And other people need that call and response liturgy that's written out for them for their soul to attach to and say, yes, that's me, that's my heart. And the only way we can discover is if we explore and if we have non-frantic space to do that exploration,
0: I agree with that. I, in fact, the other day, the last two weeks, I've been really trying to expand uh, a lot of things. You know, open up. Dave, you you've always been someone who goes. You can go anywhere. I, I, you you to me, you appreciate virtually everything. I and I can appre- and not only appreciate it. You seem to listen to it. I appreciate it. Like, you know, I was just listening. to You brought up Steve Kemp. Uh, who's that the guy that uh, – Buddy Green. I just list, Just listened about half of his record the other night. Uh, one of the songs was just <laughs> – it was so good. But I now I'm talking about it. You know what was so good about it? Was a, it was a Celtic musical thing that was really, really cool. And the lyrics were good, by the way, too. But the thing that moved me was the music, the music arrangements, the tones. Um I I just, I'm just wired that way. You're right. We're different. My, you know, we, we have this place and it's on a little lake and it got a little patio and almost every night I just walk out after dinner. She watches TV. I walk out, put headphones on and look at the stars and the ducks going by and all that kind of stuff and listen to music. And, and we're just wired differently.
1: So I guess that's what the exploration
0: is for people right now
1: is Take it to somewhere else and see what it does for your heart. And if it does nothing, that's okay. Try something else and see yeah. what resonates. What were you going to say, Dave?
2: I, it's always interesting to me, kind of going off what Tom said, when I'll play something for somebody and I can tell that they, right off the bat, they go the, the portal to that story and that music. They have grasp it like second bar in and then there are other times when because of people's personalities and the setting and this happens with my poetry i always i say there's there's nothing worse than having a friend have to endure a poem that they don't get anything about what you're talking about um, <laughs> uh, i get that thing but i i think it's the same with the song and we are all so different i mean when you think about john prine and how quirky he was. And I grew up on John prime because he, he lived in Chicago with, with Steve Goodman and, you know, uh, the early folk movement in old town, downtown in uh, downtown Chicago. And he, he would say these things, but he always had this twist of humor. He could say something very dark, but it had a twist of like kind of almost silliness to it. And, uh, food uh, music is kind of like, for me is, is kind of like, what I'm hungry for, and I do try to do try to uh, make my uh, menu broad enough that I can experience. Like uh, recently, I'm not. I can't remember. Maybe the last couple of years, uh, Randy Newman, who's just one of my favorite writers. His music doesn't always move me the same way, but his lyrics. He has a song called "Wandering Boy," and I think about it, a lot of the guys in in Samson Society who are in their 50s and 60s, and they've got boys that, they they don't come home anymore. And they wonder what happened, and, and will they ever come home? And he's, he, he goes to this party, his song's called Wandering Boy, and he says, thank you for the party, I was glad we came. I'm the only uh, one from the family to make it. But I know they'd say the same, I came here with my father and I brought my wife, three sons and a daughter, a last baby boy, a little caboose we call the light of our life. And that's, that's what I'm waiting for. And then the chorus is, where's my wandering boy tonight? Where's my wandering boy? If you see him pushing towards the light, where's my wandering boy? And I thought, huh, how, how many times, because the men's movement has saved my life. Think about new Adam and whatever, and Samson about how many times have I sat with a, with a man in his forties and fifties weeping because he realizes that he squandered the first fifteen or twenty years of his son's life by his addictions and, and not paying attention and whatever. And uh, Randy Newman just has this this, this cinematic way of capturing um, capturing this. And I, I picture myself. I don't know whether I'll do it. I don't know if you guys know, but I'm I'll probably be, mo- be in Nashville permanently by next fall. That's that's the goal because. Visible's going to be starting a a campus there but um i I really believe that I want to go back and do more music I, I i poetry's fine, but I've kind of been there done that i i I really realize now in that poem that I wrote that there's something about singing your song it's your song and aaron you've got you're a great writer dude you you I've sat in a car with you and listened. To what you talk about and what you say, I mean, your struggle is you're just way too honest. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> wow, your, thanks. Your, your audience almost has to be people who are either ready to get healed or ready to be put away for about six months in, you know, on uh, high cost, you know, high medication. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we there's something about the healing that comes when we listen to something that sneaks up on our soul and we mm. find out that our humanness and that, that the writer, they have ex they've experienced the same thing. And we get this kind of, like you said, this ontological sense of belonging. Yeah. You
1: know? Oh man. I love, I don't know, Tom, if that, if those are the words that touch on what you were saying, but, to me that when a a moment, when a song sneaks up on your soul, that's, that's the most terrifying and beautiful moment I can imagine. See, I love that.
0: I don't mind, mind that. I just don't, I like it to sneak up on me rather than go search it out. Nice. All right. Well, well, Dave
1: just recommended Nan, uh, Randy Newman or Nandy Ruman, whichever way you want to Google it. Uh, you'll have more success with one than the other. Uh, he was on my list
0: as well. So Wandering see, Boy. yeah, it's you know in, in a million years, see, I can't get past the music or the voice, guys. <laughs> it's all I, Toy Story to you? I can't. And, and it doesn't mean I can't sit down and eat uh, – uh, a vegan meal <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, but to me, I can't get past it. I'm drawn in. I tell my artists that I work with on their show when they're playing a festival, particularly if they're unknown, lay down a groove, the groove will draw people in and then you know you've got to the introduction to the song has got to be strong so that they they'll get on board like you're saying they sometimes people capture it within you know two lines. But for me, it's the music, something the musicality that draws me in. Unless you're Andrea Bocelli, and his voice draws you in, you know. But yeah, but,
1: Randy, Randy Newman's voice is never going to draw you in. But if you listen to something like Rednecks and you've only heard him sing "You've Got a Friend in Me" from Toy Story, you're going to be shocked because it sounds like a Toy Story song, but shocking.
0: Right? No, I'm with you. I've I've listened to him. Uh, but I just can't sit down and go, I'm going to listen to – it would be forcing myself to – I'd rather read the word, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. If I'm going to yeah. listen to words or spend time with words, I'd rather listen to – I'd rather spend time with with the word and put on instrumental music.
1: Well, find out if you're like Dave and me and check out uh, Wandering Boy or I Think It's Going to Rain Today or, heck, go with the Sail Away album or the Good Old Boys. Or find out if you're more like Tom, and it just annoys the crap out of you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn it off.
1: <laughs> so what else? Let's let's wrap this up with just a few suggestions for people that they might not have explored. Let's give it uh, two more albums
0: each. Wait. Do you mind if I? I thought about this when you asked us to do it. It's to me, it's the it's the top ten records you take for me. The old you're sitting around, Dave. If you remember when, you know, you're just sitting around, going, "Okay, man, if you were stuck on a desert island, which ones could you not live without? Which ten album would you do?" And mine would be Afro Celt Sound System, Anatomic. Mine would be close to the edge. Yes. Mine would be Joni Mitchell's. And these are old school guys. I'm not going to pretend. Uh, Joni Mitchell's Court and Spark. Sting Cold Cages. Uh, who else? Uh, okay, let me throw a wild one out. And we don't even have time to explore why. Madonna's Confessions on a Dance Floor. <laughs> oh, but I so want to explore it. But go on. Um, Spongle, uh, uh tales of the inexpressible.
1: How do people spell Spongle in S-H-P-O-N-G-L-E? case they want to check it out on
0: Spotify? S H P O N G L E. As I, you I, would I, expect, I forced Dave to listen to it one night at my house.
2: Uh, <laughs> I remember that it's good. It's good. It, but it's kind of like it's like you know, if you you know, someone coming up to you and said, "Have you heard of that really great band called the Shmadz Nagi?" And you're like, "What." You know, and then you hear it and you're like going, they should change their name.
0: <laughs> and you who turned me on to that was Elliot. <laughs> yeah, well.
2: Yeah.
0: Elliot turned me on to, uh, Mary Catherine turned me on to afro Celt, and Elliot turned me on to Spongle.
1: All right. Well, what comes after Spangle? I like it. You're making a list. People can uh, jot it down.
0: Oh, my gosh. What led Zeppelin for? i tell you what I, i tell you what. I know we're wrapping this up. I tell you, where it blow, it boggles my mind. Doesn't boggle my mind. It brings me into the presence of God when I hear just like the Battle of Evermore, which is right before Stairway to Heaven, and the production, the way Jimmy Page thinks, the layering of the the tones, the the parts that he came up with, it all that stuff. I sit there and just think, this is what I think, honestly. Damn, this is so freaking creative. It's ridiculous, and this is just. A wisp compared to what we're going to experience, uh, what what God is like. This is just one man, and there, there's seven billion of us that have this creativity, and and so I, immediately again I'll stand up on my dock with my hands raised to the sky, listening to the Battle of Evermore, thinking, this is so stinking creative, and yet it's just it's not even a a a, a glimpse. It's just a meager, meager, meager glimpse of who God is. And, and immediately puts me in 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 that space. Pat Metheny, Pat any Pat Metheny um, live. Oh, and you talk about Gabriel. Probably uh, Gabriel live. Which one is that? Uh, it's twenty years old. Uh, mm, it was at the the one where he was right. doing the in this, at the round with
1: the Paula Cole singing. Right with the like the ovum. What? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't think of the name. But, yeah. Okay, the live Peter Gabriel album with Paula Cole before he brought his daughter on, who I think is really sweet, but she can't do Paula Cole. No.
0: Anyways. All right. And probably Sergeant Peppers.
1: Okay. Uh, And for those of you that think you know Sergeant Peppers but haven't listened to it for a while, maybe take take a re-listen to that and be amazed at the era that was written in. And uh, also love the Mellotron for it. Dave, what's your list you want to throw out?
2: Well, you know, I don't recommend a, a, a ton of Christian-oriented albums uh, until I really fall in love with them because I there's there's nothing worse than having somebody kind of tell you, hey, this is a really good album because they don't want to become off offensive and stuff. It's like, don't, don't do that to me, dude. If you don't really like it, don't say you do. Um, but Andy Gullihorn, uh, Grand Canyon, album i mean it'll save you a ton of therapy uh it's it's just the guy is tracking with us you know and he was one of the early guys and samson and uh he's just i i listen to andy whenever i find myself you know wanting to deceive myself and mm-hmm. uh and then on a little bit more caustic and tongue-in-cheek but just as good as uh you know uh phil Madeira uh put out some um what they call um worship for for the rest of us. Let me see if I can find it here. Um uh let's see. Where am I here? Mercy Land Hymns for the rest of us. Volume one and volume two, but there's there's a couple songs. One guy by Will Kimbrough who plays in uh Emmy Lou Harris's band and then the Wood Brothers. You know, Phil Phil has this really you know caustic sense of humor and and he got together a bunch of people who would normally never write a worship song and it isn't that at all in the sense of like thinking that way but when you get through with it you're you're, you got better questions because the the questions that they ask are deeper than usual so that would be my two is is uh you know (coughs) delahorn and then mercyland hymns for the rest of us volume one volume two um it's really good stuff.
1: Nice. All right. Uh, I, I get to give my list, right? Yep. Uh, I'm going to go in order of childhood and what was important to me. Depeche Mode. I want to say Black Celebration, but I know that was just my uh, early pubescent thing. Depeche Mode's Songs of Faith and Devotion. To me was Martin Gore writing at his Most Honest. And so I'd go with that. Uh, Steve camp album justice. If you want to get your brain tweaked, Pearl jam album 10, because I'm a grunge era mofo. Uh, Tom Waits was huge to me. Uh, and one of my favorite albums is his live album, big time. The first section is kind of rain dogs, weird era. But once you get past, I think, about track 10, it gets into his kind of heart of Saturday night piano jazz stuff. So if you want to have a strange experience with uh, Tom Waits, big time. Uh, Johnny Cash, the album, wh- which one was that? with When the Man Comes Around, like I think number four, the American album number four or whatever. But Johnny Cash, When the Man Comes Around. Uh, Randy Newman, Sail Away and Good Old Boys. Paolo Conte, his greatest hits. Check that out if you want atmosphere. Tom, I don't know if you're familiar with Paolo Conte. Are you familiar with him? No. That is your next dinner, my friend. I promise you it'll be the most joyful dinner ever. And I just waited for the time that me and one of my best friends got to walk around Rome with one earbud ear in each of us listening to Paolo Conte. While walking down the cobbled uh, streets of Rome. So perfect. You'll be happy. And uh, going a little against the grain. It's not an album. But you can YouTube it. Peter Gabriel's live concert growing up. Watching that concert with all of his weird theatrics. But just the songs. His voice uh, is one of my favorite things in the world. So that would be my off-the-top-of-my-head list.
0: <laughs> and I know we're leaving so much behind. Well, you mentioned, uh, just you brought it up, and I think it's appropriate. Uh, you're talking about Walking Down the Streets of Rome. Let's throw Rick Elias in that mix. Um, um, which one would you... Uh, first record,
2: uh, Dave? Oh, yeah. The first record is... Yeah. It's, it's like when he was... He didn't know it was Bob Dylan, but he was.
0: (laughs) I didn't want to recommend it because I actually helped produce the the vocals on that. But he was, he he was a It made me think of it.
2: Streets of Rome. By the way, did you see the picture that Ben, uh, not Ben Harper, Ben Pearson took that he just put out a couple, a week or two ago of of, uh, Rick? And Rick is... He's, it's, he's at some concert or somebody's, but, but he's smoking a cigarette and he blows his smoke up yes. in his face, dude. That picture is like channeling Rick. I <laughs> it blew my mind. It
0: is. It is. E, well, uh, you guys,
2: what is it called? Uh,
0: Rick Elias and the Confessions. Uh, is there a title
2: to it? I don't think so. Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, you guys,
1: I appreciate you taking the time. You are both, uh, you have fascinating minds and fascinating hearts. I hope anybody else has enjoyed this, but I've enjoyed getting to hear (laughs) from both of you (laughs) on your take on music. So thanks for doing it. I appreciate it. And uh, you've thrown out some albums that I will take some porch time and some Spotify time
0: to listen to. Well, one thing we have... Is time. <laughs> right, right
2: now. Time.
1: <laughs> so thanks again. And uh, friends out there, uh, I, I am Aaron. Now you guys have to say your names. It's what Nate does. I'm Tom.
2: I'm Dave.
1: And we are your pals here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Now one of you has to say ARG because that's what I do
2: arg
0: arg
2: wow, <laughs> you know what at least I I, I I complied to try to help the you know like the vibe tom's just like screw that crap i'm not going to say oh, okay i will <laughs> you know what
1: guys it just gives me a sense of job security in this time of uncertainty. Oh, yeah, yeah. so uh there it is
2: Arrgh. No, we, we both know tom and i both know that if we did a prolonged podcast it we would we would venture into um you know speculation that would be of cult status.
0: Okay, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm going to go a totally different place. I got one more recommendation for you, at, at guys. No, and that is Max McLean does the Bible, the New Testament. It's unbelievable. Really? It's unbelievable. Oh, max Mc, Well, he's a, he's a. Dramatist, and he just goes through the Bible and he tells it like a story. And I will sit outside for four hours listening to him speak, it, with, and and it just brings me to the throne of God. It's just extraordinary. Well, dude. I mean, I, find myself, I find myself going, excuse it, but you're shitting me. You said you're shitting me. He said this, or you know, Max McLean. He, it's it's a it's amazing. Hey, there
1: it is. Uh, now, I can't edit that out. I mean, it would have been a better ending uh, a couple minutes ago, but uh, we're going to have to leave this in. So uh, I'm Aaron.
0: I'm Dave. I'm Tom. Argh!
1: And this is the real damn ending. <laughs>